resident engineering challenges and lighting specialist to our residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Tony Liebel joins us from New York City, where he is CEO of a tech startup called Buzzer. The company's product, called Buzzer Pro, was designed to replace outdoor, outdated apartment access systems by only requiring the user to install the Buzzer Pro smart device hardware into the individual apartment or condo wall unit. Tony and his co-founder, Jeremy Walker, met at Cornell Tech, where they began their collaboration. In May 2020, Buzzer was one of four student companies that won the highly competitive Cornell Tech Startup Awards and received $100,000 in pre-seed funding to pursue their startup after graduation. Along with the funds, the company was provided a co-working space at Cornell's Roosevelt Island, New York campus and access to a support team of industry leaders and executives in computer science and engineering. Buzzer Pro is expected to ship this winter, and I really wanted to have Tony Liebel on to talk about the product, his backstory, and uh, to, to find out where this is going to be a good fit for the industry. Tony, thanks so much for joining me today. Yes, thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to continue to spread the good word of a buzzer and, and how we're hoping to help New Yorkers and uh, any apartment residents. Well, as someone who lived in New York City for 11 years, and it's, I used to wear that as a badge of honor, and I've been away for longer than I live there now, uh, back in the Midwest where I grew up. But uh, I, I loved my years in New York. And I have to say one of those frustrating elements was that was that ancient device that was on every apartment wall to let people in. Sometimes you're just shutting it up by letting people in that shouldn't come in. Um, but now I've been, like I said, gone so long that the tech available at that time was nothing like it is today. I'm, I'm sure that as someone who went to a school where you're focused on, on tech innovation, seeing that outdated device on the wall must have been a huge motivating factor behind Buzzer Pro. Can you talk about how the idea came about, where you saw this uh, opportunity and the ability to make something that was so seated in the apartments of New York City and the condos of New York City, uh, make that a, something that can be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. So the buzzer story starts long before my time at Cornell Tech. I was a management consultant for about five years with a firm called Alvarez & Marcel, where I was traveling every week, Monday through Thursday for work. And I became very familiar with these intercom systems because I was the one that was having problems with them. So while I was traveling, I, just like everybody, uh, was ordering packages and, uh, and trying to give access to my, to my unit in New York. Uh, but because I wasn't there to accept the packages, I was coming home every week to stickers on the front door from UPS or FedEx saying, Hey, we missed you. We will try again tomorrow. And then tomorrow came, I still wasn't home. And uh, they try again the next day. And the third day kind of came, would come around and the package would, would ultimately be sent back to the sender. And, uh, and that was just one of the many frustrations. The other one was I was an Airbnb host in, 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 my, in my home in Gramercy Park in the east, on the east side of Manhattan. And I couldn't get people in. I couldn't get my guests into my, into my building remotely. So I'd be right. wherever I was for work. And, uh, and while I had a smart lock for my units, I think I had an August lock at the time, 
I couldn't okay. get them into that front door of my of my walk up building. So okay. I was doing I was getting very creative. Uh, I was I was giving the keys to the bodega owner down the street, and uh, <laughs> I even was I even was uh, putting the keys in the cra- cracks of the sidewalk. Oh um, my god! So not the most welcoming experience for especially for an international traveler uh, to come to the this finally make it to their home in New York for the week oh, or yeah. many weeks and then and then have troubles getting the keys and there are even times which I'm, I'm not proud of that they they weren't able to get in and we'd have to scramble to mm. find them uh, different accommodations oh that that's that that just tells you so much right there I can't imagine being one of those travelers let alone obviously the other side of things as the owner like you're, you're describing um, so you you're dealing with a pretty standardized technology that you're replacing there. Those buzzers seem to be the same everywhere you go. Is that pretty much the case that they're, they're mm-hmm. one kind of technology, one, one brand or, or are there multiple brands of this old thing yeah. that's in the wall? Yeah. Um, so the, the technology is very, it's based on very similar premises, uh, the same premise. Um, where uh, the especially the old analog systems, which were invented in, in the late 1800s and 1890s, wow. uh, they communicate in very similar ways. But, and I still don't know why, they did spread into uh, many, many different brands over the years. And they all communicate in slightly different ways, un- unfortunately for us. And that's where a okay. lot of our IP is, is, is being able to communicate on the existing wires and on, in the, in, uh, on the existing system without making any changes to the system other than just changing out that control interface called the intercom station in the residence itself. Okay. So you have essentially uh, low voltage wiring coming into that unit that's on the wall currently in the wall. Exactly. Um, yes. And, and so it, it, it's uh, what you're, what you've developed is a really sleek looking replacement for that. Whereas the old, the old things like this plastic, yellowed looking yeah, device. I have, one, that... I have one right here. Um, I'll grab it for you. So this is what is currently on the wall in, in many apartments in New York City. Uh, it's called the intercom station. Uh, this is a fancy one because it has a, a fake wood trim on the front. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is what you would find in any almost any apartment in New York City without a doormat. Um, be it a, a lower income community where the where the property hasn't been renovated or even very fancy lofts in in, uh, in in nicer parts of town where there have been major renovation projects, but because these are so ingrained in the building, uh, not only from a, a, a user a use point, but also from the install process, uh, they don't they don't get changed too often. Right. So then, when you're thinking of what what do we do with this thing, or um, it what what how early on were you thinking I can I can be a part of this change. Um, I, I guess where, where does Cornell tech kind of fit into yeah. this and finding a project that's like, Hey, this is something that's been bothering me for a while now. Yes. So, uh, from a personal standpoint, I am incredibly motivated by helping people's daily lives. Um, and this is a, and I was always looking for a way to do that. And, and a product like this is something that, uh, impacts people's daily lives. They interact with it very frequently. Rarely do you have the opportunity to improve on something that's in someone's home um, and so ingrained in someone's home. 
And what was even more exciting is for the city of New York, the people that, that live in these buildings are, 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 the, are oftentimes the decision makers. They're doing, their, they're doing uh, their absolute best work in whatever field they're in. And they're still encumbered by this very outdated technology. So being able to uh, benefit people's lives, uh, improve people's lives through a really simple and really sleek uh, device uh, was was very very personally no personally mo- motivating. And so the, then, um, I know we're we're gonna kind of get to more of your backstory um, a little bit later, but uh, where did where do you start with the process in your own mind that um, I am going to be able to make a change with this thing? Like this is something, not only is it theoretically possible and maybe and definitely would be great for New Yorkers to have this change in my yeah. own personal life and all that um, to where you're, you're consulting uh, on a business at, at the time. Uh, d- did you think uh, I, I could, this is a great idea. I just need to find like a tech partner or, you know, maybe we could work together on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So I, um, I went to Cornell tech with the, sole intention of of getting buzzer off the ground uh, i had been working on it kind of on the side and, and, and discovering what the market needed and and how big the market was uh, but I, I never was going to get it over the finish line without uh significant uh technical expertise and uh and significant backing uh from from just a network of of, of, of prop tech um experience so i went to cornell tech to to get my MBA, which was a nice side, side, uh, side, pro- uh, side product of, of, of doing this, uh, okay. to find Jeremy Walker. Uh, so an, a technical, a technical co-founder who's brought, uh, IOT products to market in the past and then, uh, win, win the startup awards. And was Jeremy, uh, also a student there or how, how does that play into, how do you find him? Yes. Uh, so Cornell tech is a, a grad is a graduate program for okay. uh, entrepreneurial mar- minded, um, really en- engineers. Uh, there is a small MBA cohort associated with it uh, for for MBAs that are either trying to become product managers is what is typical, uh, or uh, business minded people that are that are trying to break into tech entrepreneurship. So uh, the way Jeremy and I met, uh, I was enrolled in a class called. Um, oh, what was it called? It was called, uh, it was basically an IoT class. We were, we were learning how to, how to develop, uh, develop hardware products. And we, we met, uh, we, he and I, he and I, uh, I, I actually walked him around New York City showing him the, uh, the many problems that, that people have. If you walk around New York City today, you still see notes on people's doors, either from UPS or even from the, from the, from the residents themselves saying, UPS, stop trying to deliver here. Like call my cell, <laughs> like call my cell and I'll let you in. Um, right. and we did that together and, uh, and, and formed a partnership and we've been working together since, uh, that was in November of 2019, uh, worked together to do the proof of concept at Cornell tech and, uh, and do a small alpha test. And then over the last year, we've, we've grown the company to about, about 15 engineers. Okay. So let's like walk through the product a little bit more then as far as what, um, what the idea for, where did you hope to go? Obviously I, I hear where the problem is, 
Um, there's there are products like ring doorbells in the suburbs that can kind of do the things that you hope to do in a New York apartment or condo or co-op. Um, what is the, uh, do you see any limitations in terms of replacing that unit? Uh, obviously getting into those buildings, getting those partnerships with uh, building owners and that sort of thing would be a huge hurdle. But in terms of the tech itself, um, do you just take one off the wall and say, okay, here's what we, here's what we're dealing with in terms of the wire. Now we can just make this thing smart or what, what's, what's the process starting point for, for you guys developing the tech? Um, so is the question about development or, or more around how we in install it and how the user uses it? Yeah, I think development on the idea of, of what, what can this product, what do we hope this product will be able to do? Sure. Um, are, are, are there things that it's not going to be able to do just because of the limitations of what you're, how you replace that one item, um, technically. And yeah. I know that there are challenges just getting them in there and sold and everything, but, uh, we'll cover that as we go here. That's, yeah. that's the MBA part of what you're doing. I'm sure the marketing <laughs> and the, the connections and the relationships, but just from a technical standpoint, um, is it so easy once you know what you want to do that those, that the, the wires that are coming into it, like once it's connected, it can pretty much be as smart as you want it to be and connect to the internet and phones and things like that. Or what, what, what do you see as the opportunity there in terms of the tech development in the beginning and how does it kind of move along? Sure. Uh, so development is, is essentially frozen at this point where we just started our manufacturer search um, about four weeks ago and expect to be in, in market in, in, in January or February of this year. Um, mm -hmm. So the the technology is limited in the uh, current functions of what is currently in the building. So because okay. we change nothing in the building other than the control interface, we don't add any additional features down at the front door, right? So right. just like Nest Thermostat doesn't uh, make your... Um, I don't know, your AC that doesn't include heat all of a sudden be able to do heat. Uh, so yeah. it, it, it only changes how you control it. So mm -hmm. from the most basic level, what we do is we do talk, listen, and buzz from anywhere. Okay. So um, by by getting onto those those wires, there's between two and six wires that come out of the wall. Uh, we can take those current functions and bring them online. And then there's a, some additional functions that are, we're really excited about that the system didn't have before, which are okay. virtual keys for your guests, your, your housemates, your packages, direct integrations with service providers. So companies like UPS and FedEx who have one, uh, one in three packages don't get delivered on their first attempt in New York. 90,000 packages a day go missing or stolen in New York. Uh, they obviously would like for those problems to, to be reduced. Uh, so we'd love to we'd love to integrate directly with them to open the door, and then also direct integrations with companies that have a t have a strong tie to the front door in regards to their customer experience. So mm -hmm. companies like Wag and Rover, where uh, where they where um, they would like to be able to get into the front door easily to come walk your dog, or uh, a company like Hello Alfred, who who tries to be the butler to your apartment, but if they can't get into the front door, that they're not that great of a butler. Um, mm -hmm. They're not as useful as a but butler. Right. And then another feature we do is we do we do some environmental monitoring. 
So we mm-hmm. have an, a connected thermostat in the device and that, oh, sorry, a, connect, a connected thermometer in the device that uh, will allow the user to see the temperature inside as well as compare it to the outside temperature. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of municipalities, including New York City, there's laws around what the temperature inside the building should be uh, based on the outside temperature because the building heat is controlled in a uh, in the basement by building management. And there's there's two scenarios. One is the landlord is uh, very attentive and wants to make sure that their their tenants are heated the way they should be. And what they do because they don't know the temperature in their units, they turn the heat all the way up. When I right. middle of winter, I middle of winter in my upper upper east side apartment, I have all of my windows wide open because they yeah. are blasting the heat. Obviously, I've been there myself. Yeah, so <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So annoying, but also incredibly costly to to, oh, yeah. to building management. So we're giving them some some visibility into that problem, and then also letting them know if they are underheating their building and. Uh, and opening themselves up to, to litigation or fines. Right, right. Well, we'll continue our conversation with Tony Liebel after a short break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux or motion and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral you can use shelly with a licensed driver for control 4 elon or other premium systems as well as your customer's existing hub voice assistant or any platform that accepts rest mqtt or co-app shelly can make iot very easy available now at blackwire city electric supply and worthington or at shellyusa.com Welcome back. I'm talking with Tony Liebel, CEO and co-founder of Buzzer. Um, Tony, we were just starting to talk about some of the features that you're able to add into these buildings. And I, you mentioned virtual keys. Um, and I understand that the function that you can do is limited to the, the talk, listen, and the buzzing um, button. So uh, I, I just am having a hard time understanding, get how um, maybe a remote you'd be able to remotely um, buzz someone in Mm -hmm. from your phone. Is that kind of what virtual keys are? Is there something more automated? How does that work? No, exactly. So at at, the most basic level, uh, we give a third party the ability to to, uh, operate that buzz open button. Uh, But there's a lot of security around that. And it depends on, it also depends on what type of, um, uh, what profile a person is trying to get into the building. So if it's a close friend who comes over every other day to let your dog out, uh, they, you as the administrator uh, of, of the device can send them a uh, full access key where they can buzz themselves in uh, at any time. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, for uh, let's call it, let's say a UPS, we have direct API integrations into their backend. Um, where they would, we would know that a package is, is meant to arrive at the uh, at the front door. Uh, when they do arrive and scan the package, ring the doorbell, the buzz, the door buzzes automatically for them. Right. We're, okay. And, and speaking of the of the security as, uh, part of it, uh, we're a member, a proud member of of, of IOXT, 
uh, which is uh, a, a new protocol and, and certification service meant to, uh, I don't know if you guys have, have, have come across them yet. They, they, uh, they think their yeah. tagline is the internet of secure things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so as, as you get this product um, out in the world, then obviously you're part of the process. Like I said, you're the, the MBA now and developing that business and building the partnerships. What do you see as your, um, your roadmap as far as getting um, sales accomplished once the product is manufactured and you're trying to get into these established buildings? Obviously you see the need and I'm sure that owners of buildings will see it, but it's just such a bunch of different types of dealing with supers, you're dealing with building owners. What What's that whole process look like for you going forward? Yeah, so we have, I would say we have three uh, categories of customer. We have the residents themselves, where, where we take an approach like a Nest thermostat or a Ring doorbell, uh, where they can install it on their own in a, in a building that they have permission to install it or or the landlord um, hasn't dictated that, uh, that, that a change like this would be a problem. Um, so it is meant to be installed by anybody. If you can use a screwdriver, you can install this device. Our app okay. walks you through the installation. Uh, we took a lot of inspiration from the Nest thermostat. Hmm. And then our, our second category is the obviously the building building management or building, land, uh, building ownership. Uh, we are getting a lot of traction with buildings in the I mean, class B and class C. Um, so buildings that are, are not brand new, obviously they would have to have an old, old intercom system. There are some beautiful, there's some beautiful technology out there, uh, for smart systems, um, uh, smart access systems. So latch, uh, you may be familiar with, they went public today. Uh, butterfly MX is another New York city based system. Uh, they are not, uh, the perfect fit for every building. And it comes down the reason that they are not the perfect fit and oftentimes comes down to their installation cost. Uh, I was speaking mm. with a landlord just the other day. They had uh, decided to go with uh, with with Latch. Um, they were fine with uh, the hardware cost, which is considerably more than ours, also. Uh, but then when they went out to to get it installed, they 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 go through a third party service to find an installation partner. And for a ten unit building, they were quoted one hundred fifty thousand dollars for rewiring, mm. uh, which just isn't isn't exciting. Definitely is not is definitely not. Uh, uh, doable for a lot of these small buildings right um, and that's where we come in right we work on the existing wiring on the invis- existing infrastructure we connect to whatever wi-fi is available be it the residence's wi-fi or the building wide wi-fi and, and bring the whole system online we're the we're the cheapest way for a building to get to uh to get to advertise as having um uh, a virtual doorman right and and for an individual homeowner or apartment dweller mm-hmm. um if they were able to get permission and do this installation themselves what is the upfront hardware cost so we, we're retailing it at 229 for the hardware and uh we uh our app is is free for any any function that they previously had but that is now online so the talk listen buzz and ring notifications will always be free uh, okay. For those additional features like the virtual keys and the, and the third-party integrations, we charge seven dollars per month. Okay, all right, that's that's not bad at all um, for that upfront cost, especially. And, and it's really cool that you don't just automatically make it a fee 
a monthly fee. So uh, those who just don't want another one won't, won't be able to say no because they get those basic functions. But uh, yeah. um, so so then you're looking for you said a manufacturing partner at this point. So um, you you've, you're confident that everything is going to line up on that uh, and and be able to hit your your deadline your shipping dates um, of early 2022? Yes. Um, so we, we did push back our ship date. It was originally this fall uh, because mm. of the worldwide uh, um, MCU shortage, uh, chip shortage. Yeah. Um, we, we had to push it back. We weren't able to secure okay. our, our MCUs uh, in time, uh, but we, we have secured them. And uh, according to all of our estimates, we're, we're on time for, for January, February of shipping. Okay, great. And, it's it's interesting. It's like we've been um, hit with one thing after another, obviously with uh, with COVID, and then and then this uh, tech challenge with the chips and all that. But and and not to mention just supply chain uh, delays. But uh, what about the pr- process? And you're in this critical point of product development, kind of ironing everything out right in the middle of COVID-19 and New York city of all places where everything really got locked down. How did that affect you? Yeah. Um, so we, 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 we went almost entirely, entirely remote, uh, of our, of our 15 full-time engineers. I've met maybe five. Um, okay. and, and same with Jeremy. However, Jeremy and I, uh, were incre- incredibly, uh, disciplined. Uh, we, we did not do, uh, um, Basically, we made it, made it, we're able to work together uh, in a very safe way at Cornell Tech's uh, maker space uh, called the, the Maker Lab and do a lot of the hardware work on our own. Uh, anything that was physically, that physically needed to be done, we, we did together. Um, okay. And then we also benefited, I think, pretty greatly uh, from, from COVID and, and the abundance of talent that was available uh, and, and people, people's willingness to now work remotely. Like most of our, uh, most of our engineers, um, while they might be in the region of New York City, don't necessarily live in New York yet. Um, we would okay. love to bring them in someday, uh, to, but uh, right now they're they're remote. Um, so yeah, that was that for a, for a, for a company that was not in market yet, was not installing anything in people's homes, which would have been a which would have been a nightmare uh, trying to do during yeah. a pandemic, which wouldn't have been possible during a pandemic. Uh, right. We we were okay. Yeah, um, as as a publication and a podcast that covers the professional installation market, the custom in, in, integration market, uh, they were fortunate in this industry to be uh, essential workers out there doing um, networks and home entertainment systems and that type of thing. Um, but if you're a new product trying to get your foot in the door, literally, that that's a whole other <laughs> challenge in New York, especially. But uh, And speaking of New York, this isn't just a New York product. It's very much about some of these more like these larger big cities, larger cities, older cities that would have this type of type of old technology that needs to be replaced. Correct. There's more than just New York market for you to tackle. Absolutely. Where where else would you see it being a good fit? Yeah, absolutely. So the older the city, the older the buildings, the older the intercom systems. Uh, So we can operate anywhere. Um, most of those old city, old cities are, are not in the U.S. Obviously, we're not a very old, not a very old country. So Europe is is a focus for us. Uh, but as well as, um, I mean, uh, all of our old cities in the, in the U.S. So um, San Francisco, Los Angeles, 
most of the Northeast, most of the Northeast, um, and, and DC, uh, we, and, and Chicago, uh, when we, I did a, do, a bottoms up market sizing of, uh, nine older U.S. cities, kind of the ones I just mentioned. And there mm-hmm. were about, uh, about six million apartments, uh, that, that, that could use this, uh, that could use a buzzer pro. Um, and that's just the metro areas, uh, that these buildings exist everywhere. Um, really just any apartment building that has a common front door and no doorman that, that, act, that controls access to it likely has an older intercom system. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're kind of jumping back a little bit here, but I really wanted to kind of touch on your background and, and Jeremy's background. And you're, you're clearly the, the business side of this and he's the tech side of this. Um, you mentioned Jeremy had done some other startups um, prior, I guess, to Cornell Tech. Is that correct? Or was it so, while he was there? Not other startups, but other IoT products. So he, oh, okay. he is a, a multidisciplinary engineer, a multidisciplinary engineer, if I said that correctly the first time, um, who uh, has has brought some devices to market uh, before this. So um, not in the smart home space. I think they were more in the smart office space. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, his, uh, sorry. I don't, I don't know where my next thought was going there. That's okay. Uh, so, so, so you, so you had, you had confidence that he had some, some chops when you guys started working together. Now, were you ever prior to the, just seeing this one need on this, uh, the buzzer pro product, um, were you a tech kind of minded guy, even though your focus is on the business end of things? What, where did where did that yeah. was so, it just this one thing <laughs> no so i i've uh i've always been a tinkerer i uh, okay. my you know my first my first job aspiration as a little kid was to be a toy maker and then when i discovered that the word inventor existed i wanted to be an inventor um okay. and i uh, definitely just gen- generally handy guy uh restored restored at old mercedes recently in queens um, the first iteration of buzzer, of buzzer we call buzzer mini was, uh, our, an Arduino, sorry, an, uh, a raspberry Pi with some relays hanging out of the wall in my apartment. Um, this was in probably 2016 or 2017. Uh, okay. that was, you know, built by me after, after taking a look at, at YouTube videos. Um, okay. but, uh, but, and then, and then Jeremy is also kind of cross-functional. He has, uh, a lot of experience and, and a lot of interest in, in growing into operational roles. Uh, so he's, He's leading a lot of our um, manufacturing search as well as uh, our design for manufacture currently. Okay. Um, so we, yeah, we 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 work really well together and go and go back and forth across our disciplines. Nice. Okay. And uh, when before we started recording, you were mentioning that uh, you were a pretty successful soccer player as <laughs> well. So you're you you are very uh, you're you're a Renaissance man. You've got a lot of things going on there, an athlete as well. Yeah, yeah. I was a uh, I was a goalkeeper. I'm I'm six foot three and about two hundred and twenty pounds. Oh, well, I was two hundred twenty pounds when I was an athlete. Uh, probably a bit more now. Um, but uh, yeah, I played I played soccer my whole life. My my dad is is from Germany. He was he came over as a professional tennis player, hmm. and um and 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 athletics were a big a big part of growing up. Uh, I think I I learned a lot about teamwork and and definitely a lot about competition. Uh, through my time at, I, I spent uh, at, at the IMG Academy in, in Bradenton, Florida, and then I played hmm. uh, Division One at uh, the University of San Diego, um, and 
yeah, now, 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 so- goalkeeping is no longer my sport. It's a little bit too hard on the body. I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've picked up the softer sports of, of tennis and, uh, and golf. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I made the mistake of starting to play soccer for the first time when I was in my, uh, 40s, which is not a great idea. Um, <laughs> it, it, it the heart's not really ready for that. So, um, but it was just because my kids were starting to play and I was coaching them and it was, I needed some credibility in the game. I Since I'd grown up as a, a baseball player, it's not exactly the same thing. Um, but I, but I, I, I definitely took the goalkeeping because you could use your hands. Um, and I said, it was really good at that, but it was generally against like a 10 year old girls. So I don't think that really counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once I got a, a equally, uh, aged and sized male, uh, not to mention, uh, I'm sure a female counterpart as well. That was the the right size. Uh, it was a whole other ball game. Uh, yeah. Watch, watch your teeth on those, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so then, uh, that, what, what this tells me though, is that you're not, you're not a native New Yorker. So you, you're in this market and I know what, how it is. You get in there and you, you're just all about being in New York. So, um, what, just kind of as a wrap up, I'm kind of curious what got you to New York from from Florida, then California. What brought you uh, to the city? Yeah, um, that's a that's a very good question. I don't know if I've reflected enough to really know why, other than uh, wanting to be around the best of the best. Uh, I, I, I had that I had that um, that experience at, at IMG and at San Diego with with athletics, and as I was entering this this next stage of my my life, my, my professional career. I knew that I would be best able to grow if I was surrounded by 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 the best. Um, and I recently came across a, a quote by E.B. White, the the, the, the late author uh, in the forties, uh, mm-hmm. about New York and how there's there's three types of New Yorkers, um, and it resonated with me. One is uh, the native New Yorker, the the second is the commuter, and then the third is the one that that comes to make to make change. Um, mm-hmm. And that is exactly how I felt when I when I got to New York. It was how how can I make an impact on all of these people that I'm I'm so motivated by, so impressed by? Uh, how can I make their lives better? And how can I yeah, how can I make an impact on on a city that that really makes an impact on the entire world on a daily basis? Well, I I, I hope that that is something that you're able to be successful with. I think it's a cool product, Buzzer Pro is uh is a great uh opportunity to modernize the last piece of some of these old these buildings in new york that are getting everyone living in them has great technology but then there's this one thing in there that doesn't really match up so uh congratulations on the idea and the follow-through sounds like it's getting close to being a reality Uh, we'll look forward to seeing the product in uh, winter 2022 um tony thanks for joining me today yeah thanks so much for having me Tony Liebel is CEO and co-founder of Buzzer. You can learn more about the brand at GetBuzzer. That's B-U-Z-R.com. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly show and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential, 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 residential,